The ability to have millions of people watching something at the same time, knowing that when you're watching it, millions are watching that around the nation, is a very powerful thing. Warning, this podcast may include hard-hitting truths, shocking revelations, and outrageous social secrets. You won't see your life in the same light after this, but if you're ready to face the reality of an always online world, keep listening. This week on the Social Minds podcast, we sat down with Jason Spencer, who is ITV's business development director. We spoke all about one of our favorite topics, Love Island. What we wanted to find out from Jason was how ITV has managed to make a generation of cord cutters fall in love with live linear TV again. By the way, if you're listening on iTunes or anywhere else where you can leave a review, please do because it really, really helps. Eve, sorry, I'm gonna have to interrupt there. I've got a text. It's Jason, he's here, he's downstairs. All right then. How would you sum it up this year's episode, uh, this year's series, I should say, in a tweet? I, well, I think it'd be something like this. I think it'd be, it would be, it would start off with an OMG. And then I think <laughs> we would get on to the fact that if Love Island before 2018 was a guilty pleasure, then this year we've dropped the guilty. Do you know what? I can, I can really resonate to that, actually, because for somebody who sort of passively watched it in 2017, I found myself getting more into it and sitting on the sofa and eyes glued to the TV and You're watching it. You're not alone. It. You're not alone. It's, it's really massively grown this year. If you, if you look at the trend in viewing over the last two to three years, it's pretty much doubled year on year. And in fact, the number of um, 1634s or young adults watching it this year is not a million miles away from the total viewing last year. So it's really expanded massively this year. That's absolutely fascinating. Why, why, why do you think that is? Why, why? Well, I think first and foremost, TV is an art, not a science. So mm -hmm. the chemistry of who you bring together in that villa has a huge bearing on it. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. gosh, we had a huge number of people who wanted to be on Love Island this year, so we had a lot to go yeah. after. <laughs> uh, you may have heard the stats about more people applying to be on Love Island than apply for Oxford and I Cambridge did. combined. Yeah, I so, uh, so I'm not sure what we have to read into that. But I think there's another point here, uh, which is that, you know, we, we want to, as human beings, we want to be part of something bigger, part of something that binds us all together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there is something quite infectious about when everyone's talking about something, when everyone's yeah. watching something, you don't want to miss out on that. Certainly, if you're in that sort of 16, 34 age group, you want to be part of the conversation. Yeah, definitely. I I, um, I didn't watch until about two weeks in last year. Right. Uh, and I'd never watched it before then. And obviously it was all over social media, all over Twitter. And I thought, where on earth is this show come from? Uh, you know, why is everyone I know talking about it? And I thought, no, I'm not, I'm not gonna give in. I'm not gonna give in. Two weeks in, I gave in, I couldn't resist. Because you're right, it's that sort of fear of missing out. You don't want to and be excluded from all your, all your friends. And, and I think what we've seen as well is that it's, it's created this phenomenal buzz. So I think it's, it probably started in that kind of young adult mm. space. Mm. But actually, you go to any meeting, any high street, any school playground, everyone's talking about it. Yeah. And especially as well, Jason, among that 16 to 34 age group that we're talking about, this is something interesting because we hear a lot about... Uh, you know, their attention isn't on TV. They're watching here, they're watching there. But you've somehow managed to capture this audience and you, you've captured them live. You've got the nation of 16 to 34 year olds watching at nine o'clock each night, as well as uh, simulcasting, which we explained, as well as on the ITV hub. That's how, how, how does that sort of 
come into play and what does that mean for ITV? Because that's massive, isn't it? It's like unprecedented well, this. Yeah, it listen, it's a it's a lucrative audience and it's it's often seen as a difficult to reach audience mm. who aren't watching TV in the way that older audiences are. And and we we accept that. We realise that. Mm-hmm. But if you create the kind of TV gold dust that we have with Love Island, you bring that audience in yeah. and mm. there's a big number of those people who are watching it in the live tv space mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, on on linear tv when it's scheduled there's also a lot of people watching it on simulcast through the hub and we're seeing that growing massively this year um, but we've also got a huge catch-up following as well both through pvrs as well as through the itv hub and when you when you add all of those things together mm. you create more access points for audiences mm. so they may not want to sit in the living room watching it with other family members then but they, they don't want to miss out watching it live so we make that possible for people so so i think it's about access which helps to drive that sort of inclusivity for them mm. and one of the big things i suppose with that the uh advantages is the revenue driven from advertising and the benefit to advertisers, I suppose. Yeah, it's 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 interesting because we last year, the, if we, if we think um, where we've gone from last year to this year, mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. to very quickly explain. So last year we worked with Superdrug, who were the sponsors mm-hmm. of it, and they saw huge success off of that in terms of product sales. Um, we also worked with Primark last year to give them a, a license so they could create merchandise, yeah. mm-hmm. and they sold about two hundred thousand t-shirts linked to and and, uh, uh, items of clothing linked to the show and we had the success of the water bottles and i'll come back to those in a moment (laughs) but we saw that there was a huge demand and there was a demand amongst the audience to have a piece of love island Mm. there was Mm. also huge demands amongst advertisers to access a younger audience yeah so one of the really important things from an itv point of view is we own ip we own the IP and the licensing potential around shows, which enables us to create lots of partnerships for brands. So this year, we have gone out and talked to brands across lots of different categories and built 11 partnerships. Not only partnerships between us as ITV and those brands, but the partnerships between the brands themselves. So um, I don't know if you want me to talk a little bit about some of the brands we've yeah, worked yeah, with. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because there's been quite quite a few this year. I mean, you've got like people like Misguided, haven't you? Uh, Superdrug, you mentioned. Exactly. We've got, we got, I mean, just, just to list the brands we're working with this year, apart from Superdrug and Primark, we've got Misguided, LucasAid, Echo Falls, Rimmel, Jet2, Ministry of Sound, Samsung, Thought Park and Kellogg's. It's a huge number it's across lot. lots of categories. And very big brands. Big, well, well, there's a mixture of big brands there, but there's also brands who, who are challenger brands in their category. Mm. And I think what's been interesting for us is that we've worked with brands that we wouldn't always have uh, perhaps had the opportunity to have uh, ways of helping to drive their business mm. forward. Mm. So, so just to give you a bit of a flavor on some of the, the kind of stuff we've been doing, um, with the likes of Misguided, we've created an island style part within the app where you can go and buy pro- uh, products which are worn by the people in the villa and you can buy them at the time that's broadcast. We're seeing phenomenal sell-through of that. So you're in the app, mm. you see someone wearing something, those products are selling out overnight. And do misguided style all of the islanders? No, because uh, essentially at the end of the day, we we allow the islanders to wear what they want. Yeah. All right. So they choose the, the, pro- the products that... that that, that they want, but we've given them access to more and more product within yeah. that. Mm, and we have mm. had certain, you know, there are certain environments within that where we've had, for instance, uh, uh, nights where pe- where they're themed around a particular style. So we mm. had a Ministry of Sound night recently, yeah. which we can talk about. Um, so, so there are elements where we provide the products in there. 
But there are also elements where we we kind of, you know, uh, give some sort of freedom around it. And I think the ability for us to work with brands to commercialize it is to spot where those opportunities are. So, yeah. so for instance, you know, if you are looking at um, products, so you've got uh, earlier in the series, we had uh, Megan wearing a crochet top. So we knew when that was going to happen. We clipped that image, we featured that within the app, and we saw that product sell out overnight. Wow. And you see that again and again. But then you get people like Misguided working with the likes of Jet2 to style mm. people within mm. the ads where you've got the promotional activity. Mm. Misguided working with other brands within there. And I think we, we've found that also brands who perhaps may not be uh, on the face of it the most uh, obvious fit because they've got different audiences mm. they're looking mm. to reach have been able to engage hugely. So the likes of Kellogg's through the podcast mm. that we've created. Obviously, breakfast is a key occasion. Yeah. So yeah. occasions catch up on what you might have missed the night before. Yeah. Brilliant opportunity for Kellogg's. It's called The Morning After, isn't it? It's called um, The Morning After, the podcast, and yeah. Kem's appeared on it on a number of days. We've had Laura Whitmore ringing in on it. Um, um, uh, sorry, not Laura Whitmore. We've had Caroline Flat ringing in on oh, it really? as well. Yeah, huge stars. Um, and um, that's been number one podcast beating the World Cup podcast at a time when you know World Cup viewing has been phenomenal. That's so um, that's helped to extend the reach and engagement of the show. Yeah. And I think where we've worked with brands, we've tried to understand what are they looking to achieve? Yeah. Which is normally drive mm. their products and drive sales through at the end. And then almost work back from that point of sale to understand how can we work with brands to engage with the viewers mm. and strengthen that relationship. Because I, I, I want to touch on that quickly, Jason, as well, because um, obviously we work in social media and we sort of know the millennial and Gen Z audience. And there's this uh, feeling that we know when we're being advertised to and we know, dare I say it, I think people know uh, when they're being marketed to and being yeah. used in a way. Now, obviously you work um, you, you know, very closely with these brands, with the partnerships. How do you approach it in such a way that is relevant for this audience via Love Island? And because it's become a massive success, yeah. hasn't it? It's become huge in that sense. I think what you have to do, because there, there is always a risk there's a risk in, with social media that you're, you're overstepping the mark yeah. mm. and brands are being in a place which is, they're not welcoming yeah. by, by, yeah. by, by that relationship that people might have between the show and, and the users. But it's where you're adding value, mm. where you're making mm. that a richer experience, where you're either providing something or seen as the provider of something that audience can't otherwise get, or you're helping them to get more of, out of that experience. So, for instance, the way we work with LucasAid is within the app, we have something called First Look, which you can sign up to. So at lunchtime, on the day of broadcast, you can get a sneak peek of what's going to happen that evening. LucasAid are the people helping to provide that. They're mm. backing that. Uh, we talked about Kellogg's on the podcast. Mm. Mm. But even outside of Love Island, we, we have partnerships with the likes of Twitter around clipped content in some of our other shows, including things like World Cup coverage, so that they are, we can work with brands to be the provider of that. And you've got to know um, where it's acceptable for brands to get involved in the social space. Mm. I think that's mm. really, really important. I suppose making sure they're relevant as well. I was going to ask, out of 11, 11 brand partners, how do you go about deciding who you're going to partner with? That is the million-dollar question. I, 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 th <laughs> I, I think um, you probably find this uh, here at Social Chain. I, I think brands, all brands in all categories, whether they're market leaders or challenger brands, have different objectives and are looking to achieve different things. Uh, we, uh, as a media owner at ITV, would, would love to speak to 
all brands out in the market, I think sometimes we get invited in and we have a richer understanding of people's business. Sometimes mm. we don't. Mm. And I think there is, there is a sense in which, much as in the way that uh, people get matched and come together in Love Island, that we get matched and come together with brands. Yeah. And we get, um, you know, the brands that want to work with us, you know, uh, we make no bones about the fact that we have this program going out, that we want to work with brands. We would love to continue working with as many brands as possible. And what we've done on Love Island we can do in many rich and exciting ways across lots of our programs. Mm. So I think it's a opportunity for any brand out there. We don't we don't choose the brands, but the brands who are looking to invest and looking to harness that license are the ones that we've worked with. Have you ever had to turn down a partnership uh, due to it being an uh, irrelevant audience, maybe? On Love Island or, or more um, generally? Love Island? Um, to my knowledge, no. But I think, you know, we we put a value on that license. So mm. we own the IP. Mm. So we say this is what we think it's worth. This is how brands can look to um, activate that across their platforms. Mm. And I think if someone didn't value it in that way or didn't look to activate it, it's probably less valuable to the audience yeah. as well as to us and the brand. Mm. So um, we, you know, it's the same with, with any offering that we bring to market. Mm. If someone doesn't value it in the same way we do, then we reserve the right to. So it's interesting um, because you see you see on sort of social media and everywhere, uh, Love Island time of year comes around and brands everywhere are getting involved on the conversation, yeah. absolutely everywhere. Uh, people outside of your partners um, and they can be anything from like tiny, tiny local brands to um, quite big brands that just uh, aren't your official partners. Absolutely. Well, I think so we've talked here a little bit about the 11 official partners, mm. Mm. but in terms of advertising around uh, Love Island, uh, whether it's on uh, linear TV, whether it's on the ITV hub, we have a number of brands we wouldn't otherwise normally talk to mm. who can spend relatively small amounts of money to access that. Um, and I think from our point of view, we have, you know, we have a lot of inventory out there. Mm. If a lot mm. of people are watching this show, then we've got a lot of uh, views to, to sell to advertisers. Yeah. We've seen the ITV hub grow um, significantly year on year. If you look at the viewing levels, both in terms of simulcast and catch-up, it's going through the roof. Now, this is still a relatively small part of ITV's total overall viewing mm. versus linear live uh, TV. Mm. Mm. Um, but it's growing at a rate of knots. Mm. And I think that increases the opportunities for brands to access the show. I think the other interesting thing is uh, you might have noticed on the ITV hub, um, over the, the ITV hub's been going about two and a half years, and obviously we've had GDPR this year, but mm. we've also gone through a registration process. We now have 25 million people registered on the ITV hub, so we have different data points there. We've got over 75% of 16 to 24-year-olds registered on the ITV hub. It's now one of the biggest databases for young adults. So when you talk about smaller brands, they're able to come to us and access audiences that otherwise have been quite difficult to reach but also be quite targeted around that. So you mm. can exclude other audiences if you're a youth brand and don't want to talk to it to them. How, so. how much do you think that's been dr driven by Love Island, would you say, Jason? A huge amount. If, yeah. you, if you looked at the registrations among 1624s, pre-Love Island last year and then post-Love Island last year, you will be gobsmacked. But I think from our point of view, it's not just about how is that valuable for advertisers because mm. we are very focused on ensuring that that data is used responsibly mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. helping us to understand our audience better mm -hmm. in terms of how we can serve them better yeah. from a content point of view from clip short form content right through to how we can recommend other programs they might like mm -hmm. are there any sort of key lessons that you've learned from last year's series to make it even better because 
um, if I were you. I know like the show really, really kicked off. Uh, like it seemed like for the first time it hit its stride last year. Mm. We're not worried um, that you'd struggle to beat that level of success. Well, I, th- I think this this is not exclusive to Love Island. I think if you look at the success of any of our shows that have been uh, running year after year, mm. where the benchmark rises each year. So take yeah. uh, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of mm-hmm. Here, Britain's mm-hmm. Got Talent, uh, as other examples. Um, the trick is not to rest on your laurels, to yeah. work out what made it a success, but also then say, well, what could we do differently as mm-hmm. well? Because the, I think the last thing you ever want in any TV programme, whatever genre, is to be mm. predictable. Yeah. If the audience, if when you're watching it, you know what's going to happen next, you don't need to watch it. Yeah. Mm. So there has to be an element of the unknown, the unpredictable. So, so there will be things that will have happened this year, which didn't happen last year. There'll be yeah. things that are going to happen this year that didn't happen last year. And that's why you keep watching every night. And we do also, there is an element where you get lucky. You know, casting is so critical. Mm. And what's quite interesting is that the team uh, at a senior level that sit behind Love Island are the same team work on the likes of I'm a Celebrity. And if you think about the chemistry that we've created there year after year, there's kind of some similarities that yeah. you, can, you can see in terms of how we approach a lot of our shows. In terms of, um, in terms of marketing the show, can you list a few things that you've uh, done differently than last year? Um, well, I, I think... I, I think some of this is within your control and some of it's outside of your control. Mm-hmm. So the the press coverage, the social noise, you can't control. That's yeah. whether the elements outside of ITV will, uh, will, will jump onto that. And momentum has a really funny way of creating those opportunities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so often um, the, the national press will follow where audiences are yeah. rather than create those audiences. Um, in terms of, of the way that we look at the likes of YouTube and Facebook mm. uh, generally, uh, we see them as a really important marketing channel for us, um, but we don't distribute entire shows within those environments. No. Uh, so we try and respect what are the kind of learnings and norms within there. Um, I think, though, there, we, you know, what, what, we, what we haven't done this year is we haven't done a huge amount of uh, paid media in that space. Yeah. Uh, we use our own promotional uh, uh opportunities and promotional mm. airtimes do that. Mm. So one of the things that I think we did quite differently this year is tease Love Island on the main channel from a much earlier date. Right. This is a show that sits on ITV2 quite clearly. I'm sure you'll agree as, yeah. as, as mm. viewers that it works in that channel and that channel particularly well. But we teased it on ITV2 a lot earlier if you think about those promotional items. Mm. You create that excitement, that buzz and get people uh, looking forward to it. But then the way that we've worked with the brands, the official partners, has meant that they become marketing channels in themselves yeah. to push that to their customer base. And there's a kind of reciprocity there that really kind of comes to the fore. And then it's about what you do within the show. It's about things like first look, about yeah. creating that anticipation. And you can't forget the power of peer-to-peer, the mm. fact that you might talk to your friends about it. Yeah, and you're definitely. a marketing channel in your, in your own right as yeah. a result. So I think there's a momentum there. And it doesn't mean that we get complacent about that. Mm. It just means that we look to understand it more and look at how we harness it better. Mm. Jason, as well, I'm just blown away by what you were saying there as well, because ITV, you've, you've said you don't use a lot of paid media. And, and it's almost like we live in a world now where we know that organic's dead and that paid is the only thing, but what you say contradicts that, and I find that interesting. We, we, well, at the moment, I, th- I think what we do is, um, 
I talked specifically there about Love Island. Mm -hmm. You know, we do mm -hmm. use paid media where we think it's appropriate to, but but we also have a lot of power in our own marketing channels mm -hmm. to use those. And mm -hmm. I think it's, uh, you know, it's really important when you're using paid media, whether it's TV, outdoor, press, whatever, to understand the impact it's having and use it, use yeah. it incredibly well. Yeah. So I think um, we, we use it where we see that it's going to help to drive awareness, bring new audiences in. Um, and I think we use it in a kind of responsible and accountable way mm. in that respect. And from an outsider's point looking in with Love Island and, and the goings on in the villa, I see this sort of organic conversation. It's turned into, you could call it a cultural phenomenon, you could call it a social phenomenon. It's, 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 yeah. it's, it, it's in pop culture now and it's mm. very much in vogue. And I watch Love Island and I see that it's inspired this lingo. There's a language, there's a tone of voice, there's uh, there's the use of the, you know, as soon as anybody gets a message from the producers, it's they've got a text and there's a hashtag in it. How how much of that do you think in the organic conversation for, that stemmed from that has been deliberate? And have you seen things from 2017 there's, that's been... That's an interesting point because actually having your social team there, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. being in the moment and also having some clear social guidelines because, you know, it's important that you give them the freedom to be able to express themselves yeah. without every single line being mm. signed off. Yeah. So, so that freedom to be creative, but do it in a particular way. And I think recognizing the power of hashtags within those moments. Mm -hmm. now, now, some of that stuff around, I've got a text, links into the work we've done with Samsung. Samsung's yeah. one of our product placement partners. Yeah, of course. The slow-mo feature that they've got, the way that that's then integrated into the LucasAid ads that we made through the Love Island production team means that you can take elements and, and make it work across all of those platforms. Yeah, it's sort of seamlessly integrated. It is. It's like a whole holistic But But it's kind of, if, you, if it goes back to that thing of how much is it controlled and how much does it just happen? Well, it just happens because we can't tell day to day what's going to happen in the villa. No. You know, you kind of keep your fingers crossed. That's and then the there's, 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 a, there's a real convey about, about how that works across the day mm. from uh, editing, producing the show and, and how that com comes, comes to be. And you've got lots of different constituent parts. But having the social team there absolutely helps. Mm. We've been working closely with the social teams of many of our partners mm. to give them greater access as well and to get more involved in the show. I think the hashtags, are, the hashtags really changed the format of the show and they... It's, it's just sort of like a subliminal reminder um, to, for the audience to get involved on Twitter absolutely. Uh, and to get using hashtags. And it, it, it absolutely is. And, and I think it could, you know, th there is a risk that the show can feel like a bubble at times. Yeah. Um, certainly for those who are in the, in the villa. But, <laughs> but I think what it does is it really kind of connects into the viewer and, and makes them feel included yeah. in that. Um, so we, we, we talked about how the app is a great voting mechanic the yeah. app works on so many levels and and what we've seen this year is we've got we've had over two and a half million downloads of the love island app this year that's phenomenal now now to put that into context so thinking in, in marketing terms if you think we're getting a peak around about five and a half million viewers mm -hmm, mm -hmm. across uh, linear live catch up um but then also the hub in terms of simulcast and catch up that conversion into app downloads is phenomenal. Mm. You compare it with mm. any other companion app that we have or that you've seen in market, you don't see that level of conversion. Yeah. The level of engagement is huge as well. Um, and I think, you know, to, to, to put this into context, we've had year to date, uh, Love Island has had 5 million tweets associated with the wow. show. Now that is, to put that into context, that is as much as 
Channel Four and Channel Five have had combined across <laughs> the and, and it's about half. It's getting on for almost half of the total tweets associated with wow. ITV shows. But it shows the power of that show on its own mm. yeah. to create mm. noise. You know, and there'll be individual mm. moments in the show where we see massive peaks. Uh, but but you know it's it's a consistent yeah. And the I mean I know um, obviously the show has um, it uses a variety of social platforms and I know Instagram has been a yeah uh, it's taken more priority for the show this year compared to last yeah. Um, but the show really does seem to like live on Twitter and it feels like Twitter is as important to the show as the show is to Twitter with things like Twitter bingo and stuff being played within the villa. Yeah, you well I. I would just just to touch on Instagram. I think Instagram has become much more important this yeah. year, particularly with um, our partners. So the likes of Jet Two are using Instagram for promoted stories yeah. and the competition that they've got. Is it true that um, last year you were on Snapchat and this year you are not? Uh, pass. <laughs> <laughs> um, the um, I think, but going back to Twitter, I think I think it's an interesting point. We, we've done some work going back a couple of years with Twitter yeah. to look at the kind of interrelationship. Uh, and the kind of moods and needs that people have. And mm. I think, you know, you, you could argue that we are, um, we help each other. Yeah. Uh, you know, there, sure. there's, there's a, a relationship there where... I think Twitter's been very grateful where, for it as well. I, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't like to say, but, but I think there are different <laughs> moods and need states, you know, that people, when they're engaging in TV shows through Twitter, mm. it's that ability to either connect with the content mm. that they're looking at on screen, participate in it and be part of that conversation. Yeah. Um, get information around it yeah. uh, to build on it, but also that kind of affirmation and the confirmation about how um, you might feel and how that's shared with others who are viewing it yeah. as well. Yeah, now, yeah. we're seeing that as hugely powerful and that's that's also why I think that helps to drive people to live viewing. Yeah. You know, that kind of yeah. fear of missing out. Yeah. You've got to be part of that conversation and particularly around the likes of Love Island. Yeah, definitely. And that's, that, that's breathed this whole culture of, uh, we call it, as I'm sure you do, second screening, isn't it? Where yeah. you're watching yeah. TV and you're on your phone and it's almost, I've even done it before where, where uh, I think watching Love Island and an advert's come on and I've seen, oh, have you seen that advert? Have you seen this? And, and yeah. it's, it's all sort of part of the same thing, isn't it? Yeah. Definitely. I mean, you know, we what we have to do is we have to embrace the changes in people's behaviour mm. and, mm. and find ways to harness them, to be part of that, but also to look at how we monetize it mm. as well as a business mm. and work with brands. So going back in the day, we did things like Shazam, where mm. you could use the Shazam app to Shazam adverts, and we built that in, yeah. uh, working mm. with Shazam. We've then moved into how we've built companion apps across around seven or eight of our shows to huge effect, and it's mm. about that engagement. Building games within there. Games are so powerful <clears throat> when you're working with brands. And also then working with the likes of Misguided on things like the you know, the villa style mm. and trying to sell products through that. It's really, really powerful. Why, why do you think that is on the gamification note? Because we, this is something we've seen. Pe people love a game as well as just... Uh... I think it's just one of those things about, about human, human beings. We, we love winning. And, and if we don't win, we'll play it again. And I think yeah. if you offer prizes, they don't have to be high value. Mm. Mm. We've built games um, around some of, the exp some of the companion apps that we've had around uh, some of our big shows like uh, I'm a Celebrity X Factor with the likes of Domino's and Aunt Bessie's. And they're relatively simple games. But they are so powerful. Still, it's just creating that sort of action reward. Yeah, cycle. yeah. People it's love that, to get the, the adrenaline buzz that you get from winning yeah. stuff, even if it's of small value. It's hugely engaging. It sounds like it is a really exciting time to work in TV now with everything that's going on, and I think a lot of people as well. And I've I've certainly seen it. You'll see articles that say 
you know, that sort of make out that TV and social media and Netflix and all the rest of it are sort of at war with each other. So focus on, say, ITV's relationship with um, social media and with new tech and stuff like AI and all this thing. You're saying that you're really sort of embracing it at the moment. I, I, th- I, th- I think this works on different levels. Hmm. So if you say... So, so if you think about how we're embracing it in the ways I've talked about today, mm. absolutely, mm. both from a marketing platform in terms of how it integrates into shows, about how you use that to its best effect. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think from a, a commercial uh, perspective, I, I think there is still work to be done. So you've probably seen uh, the TV industry come together increasingly uh, over the last year under the heading of Thinkbox with a trade body. So yeah. ITV, mm. Channel 4 and Sky doing jointly commissioned research, the biggest broadcast of odd study in the world that came out earlier this year uh, in the bigger picture. 27,000 different streams of data being uh, sort of brought together across the three of us and shared in a massive research study, but also the TV festival that we've done. And we recognize that TV needs to work together mm. to promote the power of television. Mm. But we have seen that, you know, if you think about the, the growth of Netflix and Amazon Prime, um, it's mm. a competition for attention. It's mm-hmm. still quality content. It's still like TV, mm-hmm. but it's very mm-hmm. different to YouTube and Facebook. And I think mm-hmm. both in terms of the, you know, if uh, I'm, I'm here just to kind of burst some bubbles rather than, than knock who we might see as the competition. Yeah. But yeah. I think it's yeah. really important that if you're, if you're an advertiser or an agency, you are looking at the viewability and verification of viewing. You know, not mm-hmm. all views are the same. When mm-hmm. you're looking at views through uh, any of the TV uh, platforms such as ITV Hub, uh, all four, um, et cetera, then you're looking at views being viewed all the way through, full screen sound on, mm. and that's what you're paying mm. for. It's not the same in terms of IAB viewability. And we know every single second of content that's on there has been viewed all the way through. So mm. brands can have trust in the environments that they're in. It's premium content yeah. and it's viewed by humans. Now, we are competing in that space mm. where brands mm. decide, do they want to go onto YouTube, Facebook video, or perhaps yeah. TV. So we have to recognize that it's important to get the message across around the mm. paratelli and how it's different to YouTube and Facebook. Yeah. Because it strikes me that a show like Love Island just wouldn't work on Netflix or Facebook Watch in the way that it does on ITV2. Um, I th- well, I th- I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what's really powerful, and this goes back to this kind of uh, sense of belonging, something bigger. When we talk about the paratelevision, both, both as a platform for viewers as well as for brands mm. it's about mass simultaneous reach yeah right what you can get on other platforms is mass fragmented reach mm. but the ability to have millions of people watching something at the same time knowing that when you're watching it millions are watching that around the nation mm. is mm. a very powerful thing it's yeah. the social proof for the brands that appear in that as in i know millions of people are watching that mm. it's the social proof of being part of that social conversation and it's also the fact that you are part of something bigger. That emotional connection with brands, that resonance on screen, on a big screen rather than a small screen is very powerful. Mm. So I think um, that that's a key differentiator. And I think it's important that brands recognize that. It's not to so say that we don't use those other platforms, but they work in different ways. And it's obviously highly effective as well. Just thinking um, now, like Netflix, obviously, uh, it's original series, at least I know. They put all of the episodes up at the same time and they're just sat there for people to dip in and out whenever they choose. And for something like Love Island that relies so heavily on, you know, every night, 9pm, that's when people are talking. You don't want to miss out on that conversation. Yeah. You have to wait until what's happening next, mm. uh, the next day. Something like that just wouldn't, I you, think, you can't fit on that Netflix. Yeah. Else, you can't put that FOMO anywhere else, can you, other than you, on... You can't, although I, I think, you know, we absolutely 
applauds you know the quality of some of the stuff that you see on Netflix mm. and Amazon Prime is is fantastic um, and I think from our point of view these are different business models yeah Netflix is a subscription business model not an advertiser model mm. we are not we are free mm. ITV is free at the point of use and um, we don't have a subscription model um, and therefore we're inclusive and and I think it's it's recognized that they are two very different offerings now yeah. it's a competition for eyeballs but that helps us to up our game. You know, we spend yeah. a lot of money on making great programming and it's about making the programming that people want to watch at the time you broadcast it. So we make programs to be viewed live. That is as simple as it gets. Yeah. Now I want to go back to the guilty pleasure that is Love Island. There must have been a point that you um, and everybody at ITV, I'm sure you're all, you know, ready to pop a bottle of champagne. There must have been a point that you realised that you'd hit gold do you do you remember when that was one minute so i i think well and what is the I, mood around i, I think hindsight hindsight is a wonderful thing all right um i think um there's probably a couple of things here one it's about when we make programs and and we're no different to any other producer broadcaster you mm. make programs and you uh, give it the best possible chance to be a success mm. and you learn as you go along and I think the real skill is, uh, and the real bravery is around recommissioning, building on those learnings, even if it's not been the runaway success mm. and making it better the year after. So the ability to double audiences year on year was, was a bit of a eureka moment. Mm. How do we do that? Mm. How can we do that again? Because you don't necessarily know what the ceiling is on that. And I think the other moment, and, and these aren't specific moments, it, it's that kind of dawning realisation was when we got to the end of the last series and we, we, we reviewed it and looked at the success it had had for mm. the partners involved, the number of water bottles sold, mm. um, and the potential that this show had. Yeah. It was that moment where we said, this is what we can do in 2018. So that, that probably will be, from, from our point of view in the world of ITV commercial, that moment. That was when the villa party started. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you decorate the, the ITV offices with, with Love Island stuff? Are, are there sort of villa parties? The, well, the, let, let's put it this way. The, the, the fonts that you can get that you associate with Love Island is, yeah. now, is now a font that lives on our system. So we can, wow. uh, we can produce presentations. That stuff. It's also a, a font that you see around the offices in certain spaces. Oh, really? Yeah. So, so I think... Um, oh, I love that. Yeah, it's, uh, there's, it's created its own, own kind of... Uh, <laughs> iconography within ITV but I bet you if you went around many offices yeah be Love Island themed yeah memorabilia around there it's like Instagram ability of the villa oh, isn't it the slogan there's something I've been really impressed uh, with about the show is sort of um the way that you guys have been able to uh, just stay very very current on top of what um what the trends are in terms of uh, marketing so not just inside the villa obviously with its whole instagram ability but um it comes down to probably casting as well like these people are going to be influencers when they come out mm. when they step out of the villa yeah. immediately their their own personal follow accounts uh, i remember montana from last year she came out said you know i thought i'd be lucky if i got twenty thousand followers she came out and she had over 1.2 million followers oh, immediately incredible. yeah it's I, just fantastic there are I mean, there's no, there's nowhere I can disclose what's the magic behind how we choose who's going to go in there. Yeah. You know, it, it's more the relationship between yeah. people rather than say, well, that person is marketable. Well, it's say. even just like, it's like the, the way you've, um, yeah, well. it's the way that you've been able to capitalize on that. Like, I'll, I'll go back to the misguided partnership. Um, 
I say they're influencers, normally when they step out the door, um, you know, that's when they're going to be signing deals with the likes of, you know, Boohoo Manor in the style or what have you, like they're all doing sponsored posts then. But what Misguided have uh, been able to do with you guys is uh, when they style the contestants and they put um, their outfits on Instagram, people immediately go and shop that look. Yeah. And they can do it before the show's over, you know, whilst summer's yeah. still going. That, that, that's been a really powerful way of working closely with a brand understanding what they're trying to achieve and helping them to achieve it. Yeah. And, and I think, um, you know, there are other programs we can do that with on ITV. It's just that we've we've kind of worked out a brilliant way to do that with brands yeah. around Love Island. Um, and um, I, I think they're really, the, the, the biggest challenge is is getting enough stock because yeah. because ultimately these pro products are selling out overnight. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, how many, pro how many products could we sell? Uh, if there was no limit on that. So I think there are, there's loads of learnings from this year. Mm. Love Island 2019 will be even bigger and better. That's all I can promise you. <laughs> <laughs> Jason, we're going to end on a high. So, you know, Love Island, you have struck gold with probably one of the biggest uh, reality shows of the past five years. Although I'm sure you'll agree to how he's always yeah, yeah, also still, still going strong. You've now got one of the most uh, followed shows on Instagram. Oh, sorry, the most followed shows on Instagram, I, I believe. Yeah, the most followed show. And I read um, <laughs> that it's, it's taken over James Corden's Late Late Show. It has. It has indeed. Which is um, massive. Yeah, it's, it is enormous. <laughs> it's absolutely incredible. Um, seems like a good place to leave it on there. Um, thank you so much for coming in. Yes, and, thank uh, you. Speaking to Thanks us. for having us. Fascinating. It's been great. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you. Enjoyed this episode? A like, a share or a quick review will enable us to bring you hard-hitting truths and outrageous social secrets every week. This has been the Social Minds Podcast with Theo, Eve and music by Pierre Flass. <laughs>